Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen. And Hayden Bo. And today we have the amazing honor of sitting down with Flex Wheeler in the house. Yup. This is a guy that I literally grew up in high school watching on YouTube to get amped up to go to the gym. That's so this so was, freaking cute, this man. Was He's fr- your hero. It was wild, honestly, for me. Like, it was such a full circle to see him in the gym, go say what's up. Yeah. And then he ends up, you know, we shoot a video with him, get a workout into a podcast. Were you nervous when you said hi? No. A little bit. No, I don't get nervous. Yeah, okay. But I was, I was, uh, I was definitely excited to see him there. I, I said to you before, remember... I was like, yeah, I, I'm like, we're I'm, not in a podcast. Hey, hold on, hey, hey, bro, hey, hey, this, this is my intro too. But I used to say, I would never take. I didn't like taking photos with people in public, or just like people who other people wanted photos with. I thought it was lame. And then when I saw Flex in the gym, I was like, I think I'm gonna need to take a photo with that guy. Okay, Caesar, edit this part out of the intro. Nope. <laughs> Actually, edit, edit everything Steffi says out of the intro. Okay. For those of you who don't know who Flex Wheeler is, he is an IFBB pro bodybuilder. He won the, Ar- won. Won the Arnold Classic uh, then record four times. Has anybody won it more than four times? Uh, now, I think, yeah. Oh, okay. But anyway. Uh, and was described by Arnold Schwarzenegger and Ronnie Goldman as one of the best bodybuilders that have ever lived. So today in this podcast, we talk about prejudice in bodybuilding. We talk about what it feels to him being one of the OG leader athletes in the sport, his impact that he has on the sport of bodybuilding, his mindset as it relates to sport and also life, how he deals with failures and doubt and and criticism, and finally what he's doing now and where you can find him if you want to support. So this is honestly an amazing episode. Uh, super inspiring and interesting to hear about his upbringing and just everything that he's done and his mindset and you know a little bit of the the inside workings of, of his brain so I hope that you guys enjoyed as much as I did uh, so sit back relax enjoy the podcast remember to tag us on Instagram at hybrid unlimited to be entered to potentially win some free swagger from Hybrid Legacy brand. Tag Steffi, tag me for some from uh, some brownie points, uh, and yeah, you might just win an entire drop from Hybrid Legacy, the coolest workout streetwear ever, bandwear, everything ever. wear you could ever imagine. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. All right, sit back, relax, enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. 
Well, welcome to Hybrid Unlimited Flex. Pleasure to have you. I think it's a pleasure to be here. We'll see how this goes <laughs> and then we'll find out. But no, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll try to be nice. No, it's okay. I, I mean, have, well, he already knows. He yeah, I already know you're yeah. not nice, yeah. so you yeah. might as well just be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, if I'm not nasty, then it means that we're not friends. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm being way too correct. I'm just, I, I had like a billion thoughts run through my mind. I'm just like, shit it off, don't. Do not say it. <laughs> just stop it. Stop. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> No, it's good. If Steffi, if Steffi isn't harping on you for something, it's... I'm the same way, yeah. If I, if I don't make fun or say something crazy, if I'm a quiet around you, then no, I don't like you. But yeah, fine. <laughs> Is it easy to offend you? Um, no. Um, there's like trigger points, like the N-word, obviously. Of I mean, course. you're going to get everything I got. Um, but I mean, that doesn't count. No. That's like obvious. No, no. Like conversations? No. Like, you know, as so far as you take... about your appearance it, or like about... No, your, I mean, you know, I, uh, I I walk around, you know, um, like my family asks me, why do you why do you always wear shorts? And when you have pants, why do you show your leg? I'm like, because I'm not ashamed. Yeah. And they're like, you know, but you don't have to show it. I go, it's something just between amputees that we understand. So um, right after this happened and I went to the Arnold Classic and you know, I was still in a wheelchair and I met all these amputees that came up like and greeted me and this one girl was an amputee from the hip and all of her jeans literally had the whole leg cut off. Wow. And I was like, why do you do that? And she goes, we're just rare. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're not the normal people. So I said, from that point on, you know, I'm not going to hide it. I'll just show it. Embrace so, it. Yeah, 100% embrace what it. What about when you were at your peak? When you were at your peak and people would, I don't know, tear apart your physique or oh, say very, things yeah. about you, were you offended? No, yeah, I was very offended. I'm, I'm highly sensitive. Uh, in my normal flesh, I'm extremely sensitive. I, I get upset uh, really quick, you know. <laughs> so <what laughs> I get would you anger. do when you would read comments like that? Well, back then, they were pretty harsh in the magazines. and I, There was no internet back then, so they would, you know, write harsh things. Obviously, I couldn't go and attack them, so I just attacked the gym, you know, and just went in and took it out like I'm going to make you wrong and prove you wrong or make you have to say, you know, in your next article that, you know, you have to recap that or whatever. So, you know, that's always normally the best way of getting back at someone, just proving them wrong. Mm -hmm. Is is there an instant that stands out in your mind where you read something and you did just that and then they were like, they kind of had to eat their words? Um, no, it's not there, but it's, it's probably even more sensitive uh, situation when I was, uh, when I was just a kid, I won't, I won't say the name of the gym. So, um, you know, I was going to this local gym and he was allowing me to train there for free and everything. And the gym was kind of empty and, um, he just looked at me and I don't think he meant it in a, a harsh way. Um, uh, but he just looked at me, and goes, you know, flex. Man, you know, with your physique, I was like 17, 18, uh, uh, maybe a little older. He goes, with your physique, man, just too bad you're not going to be great. You know, if you're white, you'd be great one day. Oh. If you were white? White. Why? Well, well be, because of, I'm assuming because of the, the racial. Yeah. Like I said, I was saying uh, where like I Like judging, from, yeah. you know. Like if you're black, then it means like the judges won't like yeah. score you or so well or something. Just period in life because I, you know Fresno is uh, it's, it's it's very racial. You know Charles area. You know Klu Klux Klan. A lot of gangs. So a lot of the N word being thrown around. And where I come from, I don't I don't use that word. I don't use it in a nice or a bad way. I don't greet my buddy and like what's up blah blah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not I'm not from that age. So um, you know. The gym I was going to was, you know, predominantly all white people. And, and he just, and even though when you hear it, 
it sounds like, how could you say that? Mm. You know, even more so to a kid, you know, I mean, by whatever reason, by the grace of God or whatever reason, I'm, I'm happy that it, it didn't mess me up as bad as it could have. Do you think it helped you in any way? No, because it did. And honestly, when he said it, I was like, man, I know, huh? Innocently, I didn't understand the gravity wow. of what he was saying. And in my naive state of mind, I was like, man, there's it's nothing I can do about that, huh? And he goes, nope. And I walked out of the gym. Wow. It didn't really, you know, I didn't take it the way I would have now, you know. Um, well, but what, then what we're living now? in it, huh? How would you have taken it now? Too bad because I don't know. Um, I got so many layers in my, uh, you know, of me. I, I don't really know. I don't think I would have responded violently. No, I think you have the maturity now yeah. to be able to like ask questions and yeah. be like, "Oh, really?" I How would so? probably just light him up verbally yeah. with, with, <laughs> with with questions like of ignorance. You know, yeah. sure, what do you yeah. mean by that? You know, blah 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 and all that stuff. But I, I don't think I would have responded violently because, like I said, I. Even as old as he was, he should have understood that's not a cool, but that's just where I lived. It was, it was normal to say stuff like that. It was, you know, wasn't looked upon because that's, that's where I come from. So, so take us back to 17 year old. Are they paying us? (laughs) Unfortunately, no. no. Hide it. (laughs) Uh, Take us back to 17 year old flex. Where, where were you at in your career at that time? Fighting. Uh, fighting. That's when we were traveling a lot, uh, fighting. So I come from uh, stand-up, uh, point karate, uh, kind of like, jeez, um, um, I can't even think of his Background? name. Now. My uh, my buddy who's like a oh. world champion now, Daniel. Um, gosh, you're going to be pissed because I can't remember your name. But, <laughs> but point karate. Um, uh, and uh, so we used to just fight everywhere. So at 17, I was really hot into just, just trying to better myself as a fighter. I just... I love uh, fighting. I love getting it on. I, you know, I, I was considered a headhunter because I love to kick, and I, I just love just just doing you know very flamboyant things to your head because uh, to touch the body is so easy, you know. But to be able to touch the head because it moves, you know, the body still stays there. It's even in boxing, right? They yeah. said the head can go everywhere, but body's yeah. gonna be right there for me. So that's what I was deep into. Um, and then when I turned 19 is when I went to uh, police academy. Yeah, I got in police academy. Wow. Yeah. So police academy, and then how, when did you get into bodybuilding? I'd always been into bodybuilding. Um, my first show that I ever did, I was, uh, I think I was about 16, and uh, it was a local show. Um, there was no uh, teenage division or anything like that, so um, this guy's like, you know, why don't you compete in my show? And I was like, okay, you know, um, and I noticed it the night before in weigh-ins, uh, everybody had on these nice, like, shorts quote-unquote posing shorts I'm like okay so I just got went home and got my my best pair of underwear that wasn't tremendously stained up and <laughs> what I wore on stage I didn't I didn't know any better you know so uh, so yeah I started when I was 13 it was just like fighting it was just something to keep me off the street I don't want to be a gangbang I want to sling drugs or anything like that I, I I lived in that and I knew I didn't want to be a part of that so these various different things, training and, uh, and and fighting, just kept me off the street and kept me occupied. So there was a period of time where those two worlds intersected, like you were both fighting and doing bodybuilding? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So like one of the last times I fought um, was 1989. No, were, were you still in underwear then? Or? She wasn't born yet. Yeah. I wasn't born yet. 92. 92, yeah. good God. <laughs> 
That's pretty fucked up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so I had one at one one uh, world championships, the California World Championships, and and fighting, and then um, that weekend before I had won Mr. California and in, in bodybuilding. And the same person who really was an inspiration to me was also my trainer in martial arts. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was so poor that he would, you know, go and buy my food like once a week, you know, just for me to, you know, be able to survive. But um, um, so I, he was like a mentor to me. He was like everything. And even when he brought me to his martial arts school, I, I didn't have money. And, he, you know, I was at another school and he's like, listen, you know, come to my school and, you know, I guarantee you in, in one year you'll be number one in, in United States in fighting. And um, I'm number one in California in fighting. And like within a couple of months, I was number one in fighting. So anyway, that's that's what Ty was to me. Um, and after I won the Mr. California and then I won the, uh, you know, the, the fighting the state championship, I was like, you know, which one do I do? It's like you, you do the one who, that picked you, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, mm-hmm. how do I know which one would pick you? And he goes, it's obvious flex, which one that picked you? I go, what? He goes, bodybuilding. I'm like, how could you say that? He goes, listen, I mean, he goes, you know, you're, you're 10 times better of a fighter than you could ever be as a bodybuilder. But at that time, you know, martial arts movies, we didn't make any money. You know, um, you, there was no martial arts movie, really. And if you were in a regular movie, the lead actor would come out and do some stupid punch and knock you out, you know. <laughs> but before then, you do all these flamboyant kicks to show that you're, you're real. And then it's somebody just... <laughs> And you're so, um, he's like, that's, that's where you can make money now. So, you know, that's, uh, that's what I choose and what's, uh, that's what I ran with. Are you happy that you did? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can't go back. I'm not one of those people who uh, say, um, I wish I can go and do things over. Um, because anything that I did, good or bad, uh, previously helped me to become the person I am now. Um, even the ugly things, they helped me to become uh, the person I am now, good or bad. So you you can't change that without expecting everything else to change, you know. Of so, course. No, I don't. I don't. I don't wish nothing uh, was different in my life. Well, there. Yeah, there's. There's, there's some things. Yeah, there's some things, but, um, you know, uh, even when you have lemons, you got to learn how to make lemonade and serve it sweet. So. Yeah. What um? You remember that movie that came out a couple years ago where you could. You could make decisions as the movie went by, and wow. it would lead to different outcomes. Yeah, that was um, <clears throat> Black Mirror. But what came out with a? It was a movie, Black Mirror. Yeah, so I'll have to like, look that up on yo, Netflix. So, that sounds damn good. So we, we spent many hours because it's almost like a one of those you know the books you read where you yeah. can choose like oh then flip to page fifty really? and you're on a different thing. It was like that, but a movie. So. Wow. You kind of have to figure it out how to like not die oh, in the movie. Wow! So if you die in the movie, are you dead? Dead or uh, you can go back? Oh, you, you can. You have to go back. So and if kind you of die that in part instance, you have to go back before that point, and then you have a chance to change it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Damn. But every decision that you make impacts Causes. the following one, and it leads to a completely different ending mm-hmm. of the movie. Mm-hmm. That so. makes complete sense. And um, you know, they always say you know the grass is greener on the other side. You know, I used to think that same way, you know, with, with everything. But now I, my thought is, yeah, water your effing grass better and take care of it. And it'll be just as green. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. The grass is greener where you water it. Yeah. 
Yeah, for Unless sure. it's our place and it doesn't get any sun and it's just Same. never going <laughs> to yeah. have We're nice grass. We're in Vegas now, so yeah, so I don't have any grass. The grass will rocks. always be greener on the other side where <laughs> yeah. the sun is shining. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> right. Oh, um, so, okay, bodybuilding. I want to I wanna get a little bit into, since we were talking about it and because it's so relevant, uh, racial issues in bodybuilding. Mm. So you had that one, you know, instance of one person that told you if you were white, you could have done better, whatever. Mm-hmm. Were there other instances like that? Did you experience any sort of discrimination in oh, the yeah. bodybuilding yeah, world? Of course, of course. And uh, how did that change across time, over um, time? Like, like I uh, was saying off camera about my upraising with my grandmother and everything. So I just understood at, a, at an early age that, um, you know, all people aren't the same. All white people aren't the same, all Hispanic, all green, all purple, whatever. You're not the same. So, you know, I just learned at an early age, there's just good and bad people. There's not a color that triggers that. Yeah. You know, just as many, you know, evil, uh, you know, people out there of certain colors, it's the same as great people, you know, so you can't, you can't do that. And, and that's what I learned. So, no, it would, it would spark something in me um, only because it would make me resonate with my past and my childhood. But yeah, of course. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I experienced. What about you? Yeah, I experienced a lot of it. I'm Jewish. Yeah. And I grew up in a country that has a lot of uh, Muslim and Hispanic, Jewish, and Hispanic, and Hispanic. Jewish, Hispanic. Ah. Ah, uh, so you're and very I, feisty. Oh, it's a lot. <laughs> and I grew up in a country that uh, it has a lot of Muslim influence. Uh, okay. And there's okay. a lot of them there. Yeah. So yeah, I played soccer for the national team, so I would travel to I don't know other areas of the country and when people would find out that I was Jewish like they would immediately attack me call me names yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah it's just, I mean it's, it's tough it, yeah it does it does um. but I do think there is a generation uh, generational component like so whenever I would I'll give you an example whenever I would go play in the park like my neighborhood park mm-hmm. Literally, kids that were my age, so they were maybe, I don't know how old I was, maybe 10 or 11 years old, uh-huh. they would call me mean things about Jewish yeah. people. Like, oh, you, you, I don't play with Jewish people. Obviously, they're, they're hearing that in their exactly. house. Yeah. So what I mean by generational is like, That's I think it dies off. Like, our grandparents and great-grandparents are were definitely racist. Right. You know, and their grandparents were definitely right. anti-Semitic. Right. You know, and then as it starts trickling down and we have more conversations yeah. like this and people yeah. become more open and more aware yeah. and mix and mix uh, race couples and all of that. Yeah. It like starts co- dying off a little bit. That whole thing that happened in the past for yeah, everybody. I, I think I agree. Well, I mean, it's, it's obvious, right? You can't just hang a person, you know, no. uh, anymore. Um, but then on the other side, it, it seems like, you know, uh, you know, um, how could I put that? It can't move fast enough. No, to, to no, the, to the uh, right and, uh, way. Yeah, that and just uh, you know, so you can't go and hang a person like they could. You know, string them up. Yeah, uh, that's but insane. But they are me. shooting people like crazy for you know um, unusual reasons. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, mm. but no, it's 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 taught. But they're not getting away with it. No, you know? no, no, no. You no. feel like there's progress with the like recent convictions I, and I stuff do, like that. I do. I do. I, that's a huge thing. Um, you know, obviously, that was disturbing because I think who didn't watch that? You know what I mean? And um, and it 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 causes emotional thoughts in me. Like I, I would not have been able to stand there and not do something uh, to the point that there's no backing up. So, 
you literally, you know, see someone dying and they're not doing anything at all. I don't, I don't think I'm wired to just, it, it would have been a confrontation. I don't know if it would have saved his life, but yeah, it would have been a situation. So, and looking at everyone else now, obviously we can go back hindsight and we understand everything that's going right. on now, but just a raw emotion of just watching someone being treated that way. I don't, I don't, I don't think I could handle that. I'm sure that people around were also afraid. It's tough. I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's so easy. Not to, everybody has like a warrior right. mentality. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't hold that against them as if, if, if they don't, um, you know, but I would just like if for any people, anyone who thinks that way in a, in, in a heart way, like, how could you say that? I would ch- challenge you to say if that was you, mm-hmm. would, would you want someone going to your rescue or you know let's go deeper than that what if that was your, your child your son or your daughter now all three of us here are like oh fuck I, yeah. I know what you're saying now you know so literally I mean Matt if that was your mother no no you know would you For you know sure. so but you have to you have to connect yourself that that is a human that is somebody's you know um, son brother father it doesn't matter you know, if he's a criminal or not, that's not the way he should have been treated. You know, yeah. handcuff him, take him in, let the system do its job. So, yeah, yeah. but I, I do think it's getting better because, you know, we have phones now and we have gadgets that, and even officers now have phones. So definitely it's getting better. You know, I think we have a long way to go because I think there's certain um, organizations that prefer for us to stay divided like that because uh, how much more powerful could we be if just all of us just like, forgot about the BS and just united and looked after each other. Like that's, that is my brother. You know, mm-hmm. that is my sister, that elderly woman. That is my grandmother. If, if it was like that, you couldn't pull the crap that you do globally now, you know, even like your upbringing, that wouldn't be accepted. It mm-hmm. would be like, you know, they would be the outlaw and the uh, looked upon instead of you being a minority, they would be in a minority. Yeah. yeah. So a hundred percent. Yeah, as pessimistic as everybody is. Like, I feel like, especially this year, this is like the year of pessimism. But it's also, like, I think the best year in history to be alive because there's, I mean, aside from all, like, the technological progressions, the medical progressions, all that stuff, like, we're at a point where these discussions are being had. And not just, like, being had out of almost, like... uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I know what um, you're saying. Just for show or... Or, or to be... Uh, oh, what, why can't I think of this I know, word? I don't know, but I'm I blanking think, on it. Um, like you like when you're forced to, to do uh, it? Patronizing. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, Almost. I feel like a lot in the past, a lot of these yeah. topics, you know... Yeah, I agree. You know, they, I agree. They, they yeah. give a little bit of attention on the news and it's a, in a very patronizing tone. Yeah, and yeah. now it's like those conversations are happening for real and you're seeing real uh, positive outcomes come from them. Yeah. Even even as bad as this was, I think it united us as a world because it started a riot globally and it wasn't about, you know, black people. It was all different and, and that's the beauty of it. Just mm-hmm. real people identify that it don't matter if that dude deserted to go to prison for the rest of his life. What you did was wrong to another human being. And that's that really shook me to the core because the most epic part was all white people that went to those oh, yeah. protests. That, it, that for me again, was epic. It's no, it's no such thing as as color to me. There's just people, you know, you're I don't you know, I'm not defined by the out, out uh, you know, outer uh, layer of my my skin. I'm not defined by that. And I, I don't allow nobody to 
try to put me in that box and you know we have a you know we have a situation so but that was just beautiful wasn't it I mean people couldn't even speak English and, and especially historical racial countries went live it like England like Germany mm-hmm. I mean they were literally fighting the police officers yeah, and stuff sick. and you know we we know what happened in Germany historically but that's what I mean um the power, whatever it is, a government, they don't really run us like they used to anymore. You know, we are definitely coming of age of our, our power and our ability to uh, unite and make changes and make noise mm-hmm. at the very minimum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's a whole other rabbit hole. Yeah. I think we yeah. could go down that forever. Yeah. That's, uh, but I want to bring it back to, because um, it started with his bodybuilding career yeah. and, you know, racism within bodybuilding and, you know, all that stuff. So, I mean, obviously you overcame it, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Safe to say. <laughs> yeah, and we're also, and now we're living in an era where it almost seems like that's not an issue. Like no. you have guys like Phil Heath, Ronnie Coleman, you, yeah. know, you know, who have yeah. been huge names in the sport. Even Hadi, uh, you know, um you know, all of us petitioned, you know, uh, to all the governments and presidents to get him to even be able to come here and compete. And then, you know, um, that year, that first year of the Olympia, he not only was able to come here and compete, but he won the People's Choice Award. And here it is, someone from his country. And that's just the beauty and the power of, of our of our sport out of everybody, you know. Ronnie Coleman, uh, not Ronnie Coleman, but, but, but uh, you know, Big Romney, all these great names, Phil Heath, all these great names, and he wins the People's Choice Award. If that's not a representation of who we are as a people, then what's not? That's, that, that's honestly really cool. Do you yeah. think you were part of, of that movement, mm-hmm. like being in that era? Yeah, yeah, and if yeah, so, what, yeah. do you, what, like, what does that feel like to sort of change that narrative in bodybuilding from just like a bunch of white guys on, in California <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. you know, something that's so racially inclusive? You know, it's just the evolution. I've always felt that, um, you know, our sport, uh, just working out calisthenics, you know, that includes, you know, doing sit-ups and push-ups or whatever. So unlike any other sport, you have to have something to be able to do it even something as mundane as is soccer you got to have a soccer ball therefore you got to be able to afford a soccer ball mm-hmm. and you know some parts and some parts of uh united states some parts of all over the world they can't even afford a meal now how are they going to sports but so therefore they can't play soccer or pretend to but our sport you can just do push-ups you know you can just do sit-ups you can do pull-ups there's all kind of freaky things that we know that you can do to get you in just immense shape. And I think that's the reason why our sport is so global Mm -hmm. and people kind of identify to it. It just, you don't, it doesn't take money. You know, it doesn't take a statue, you know, to to be in gymnasts or whatever. You don't only have to be good, but you got to have big time money behind you or you just don't make it, you know, but here it is our sport again. How many stories have you heard of just people who just are just dead broken, barely about to make it. And now, they're able to take care of the lives and their family. So, was that your story? Definitely, definitely was mine. Um, you know, I I come from very humble beginnings. You know, so uh, I remember, you know, my first uh, pro debut. I um, I won uh, my first two pro shows, and immediately I had ninety thousand dollars cash, and literally that's more money than I ever had made in my entire life. And, uh, and, you know, probably, you know, a lot of my, my colleagues, not colleagues, but my family members' lives also. So I didn't even know what to do. You know, um, 
I, I tried to get an apartment and I didn't even literally know how to fill out an application, you know, and she was asking me about my credit. I'm like, what is that? You know, she was, <laughs> she was very, very kind. You know, I had my weeder contract with me and, <laughs> and, uh, and she goes, how do you, you have a bank account? And I was like, no. She goes, where's your money? I go, I have cash. I put out 90 juice. She goes, son, put that away. Put that away. She goes, well, do you have a job? I go, no, but I have a contract. She goes, okay, let, let me see your contract. And it stated how much I made. She goes, all right, I'm going to give you a shot. But that's just how, how naive, naive I was. I that's just, crazy. And I literally kept my money in my freezer. Um, you know, I always went to go eat at the famous firehouse, you know, um, my first meal I made at home, which was oatmeal and, and a protein drink and all my other meals were at firehouse. So how much did it cost? I don't know. You know, just honestly, I was, I was making so much money then I didn't pay attention. I remember my, <laughs> my nieces, when I, I bought a house down there, I had my nieces come and help me and we just went and bought furniture and, uh, you know, and she goes, and they told me later on, you know, we're like, Gosh, Uncle Flex didn't even look at the price. <laughs> yeah, he just put his card out and paid for it. I'm like, so anyway, th- yeah, that wasn't a problem then. Um, but what a change. I didn't even have, uh, I didn't even have uh, you know, pots and pans or anything like that because I didn't cook. And I remember my brother uh, coming to visit me, and he opened up the refrigerator, and he's like, damn, you ain't got nothing in there. <laughs> no, it's new. You know, what do you put in there, food? I don't cook, you know. And he opened a freezer. I'm like, and he just turned around and stared at me like, <laughs> one time, just one time you open a freezer. I go, if I hear it open again, we got a problem, <laughs> right? Because you know it ain't, you, right? You feel me? Yeah. You know it ain't nothing in there but what's in there. So if you open it again, I'm not asking no questions. I'm just throwing everything at you. And, uh, <laughs> so, but I'm, no, that's just, that's how naive I was. I just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. And that was the beginning of it all? Yeah, that was the beginning of it all. Well, so did, was, did you reach a point you know, what, what was like the turning point where you sort of lost that naivete? Did, did you ever get burned or were you just, oh, did you gosh. have good people around you that just kind of like oh, guided yeah. you? Jeez. I mean, you know, just burned for hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and, you know, um, people saying things that aren't true, like, Oh, your family, you know, don't worry, you'll be with us forever. And next thing you're not, you know, you heard all that. So you're only, you're only as, you're only an asset to the, that company however long you are. It doesn't mean your value, and that's what I had to understand, that that's not the value of me just because. Just like if someone looked at you and like, what's the big deal about you? Well, mm-hmm. honestly, there is no value to that person. Mm-hmm. You know, so when that happens to me, I'm like, nobody. I'm just, well, what, what are you doing? I'm a janitor, you know, because <laughs> I'm nobody to you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, it's... Um, it was interesting. Uh, it was interesting times, beautiful times. Did you have um, a lot of personal relationship with Weeder? Because I know he, in the early days, yeah, was kind of the guy like helping out everyone, like everybody. Yeah, everyone. No, I had the honor of being a Weeder athlete uh, when I won the uh, USA Championship. Um, it was uh, Joe Weeder on one side holding my hand and uh, Jim Mannion on the other side. And uh, I was just, you know, freaking a kid in a candy store. And I know Jim really well, kind of, you know, we had talked multiple times and seen each other at different events. Um, 
So Jimmy's like holding my hand, and, and Joe's holding my hand, and Jimmy looks, so you, you better give him a contract. And Joe's like, I'll give him a contract. And I'm like, I'm up for trying to smile, right? And they're over fussy. I'll give him a contract. You better take care of him, Joe. I'll, I'll take care of him. Yeah, so uh, it was just, it was beautiful, man. But that was a start, so. That's a good position to be in. Yeah, uh, just, and also just being a weeder athlete, I mean, you know, I was younger then. I, I fully didn't understand anything, but this man made it capable for basically all of us, even including this, mm-hmm. to be here, you know, and um, and just for him to have such forethought, you know, uh, how big he wanted his sport to be. We we had a lot of uh, great conversations. We were really close. I, I know I, I was angry with him because I didn't get a lot of, uh, I didn't get any muscle and fitness shots uh, covers, and I didn't feel I got my worth of uh, Flex Magazine covers. And, you know, in his honesty, in his uh, business mind, he goes, well, Flex, I can't, I can't afford to put you on the cover of magazines that often. I was like, but Joe, I go, freak, I go to all these other countries. I'm 10, 30 magazines, covers, people are asking me to sign. He goes, well, it's different there. You're not, you're not as intimidating. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, here, there's a lot of blacks. It can be very intimidating to my buyers. But mm-hmm. there's not a lot of blacks in all these other various countries, or you're not seen often. So therefore, you're not intimidated. I'm like, where there so where there were less black people, the magazines would sell better if you were on the cover versus yeah. at home. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Because yeah, black, that's counter blacks, to what yeah. I would thought. So yeah, wow, you know, I knew Joe. Sorry, I no, knew I Joe was Jewish, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how can you say that, man? I go look historically what you've been through. <laughs> Come on. He's like, um, I can't afford to flex. And I go, and I just looked at him, and I was so angry. And he goes, okay, let's do this. I'll put you on a cover of a magazine, and if it drops below what it normally sells for, you pay me back the money. I'm like, Joe, come on, I can't afford that. He goes, exactly. <laughs> and as angry as I was, I had to huh. accept that. It made sense. He's in the business of making money. Mm-hmm. And I, I just looked at him and shook his hand. I was like, fuck, what do you say to that? You should be a guy. dick now and everything. But, I mean, he just, yeah, he shut me down. He just made perfect sense. He's like, yeah, I can't afford that either. So, yeah. Wow, I really can't believe that. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you think it's because, well, sorry, no, it's the opposite of awesome, actually. Yeah, it's interesting. But, <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But <laughs> what? Well, that's awesome. I should have got that on tape. <laughs> um, do you think it's because the predominant, like, demo, even though there's a lot more black people in. Yeah, now. Um, uh, in, well, just in America in general. Mm-hmm. You think it's just because at that time the demographic was largely white? Is that what was the issue? Probably. I mean, it's in my, you know, in my my era as I came up, it was equal, you know, but I get it before then. I mean, I could only say that's the majority of what I've seen in magazines. You know, I wasn't there or anything like that, but I just have to, you know, we just have to admit those were the times and I was normal then, you know, you step back you know a few centuries in history was even more number to do more brutal things you know so but you know again you know just joe and his forethought and what he's done and and it echoes now and it's just sad that athletes don't have a chance to just go into his office and meet him because no matter what i forgot i i was a leader athlete for five or six years until i signed with another company but no matter what all of us said the same thing when you walked into his office the outer room waiting Man, you got nervous. I mean, just the whole era of just how beautiful the building was and the, and the paintings and just what this guy stood for. 
you just got nervous when you went in sure. there. So we used to like like four or five of us going there at the same time just so we could like give each other support <laughs> you know so people don't get that now they don't get a chance to, to, to meet Joe Weider and Ben Weider so that's that's kind of sad and you know one of the funny things about him is again he's very business oriented very business mind so um, a lot of times we would learn you know we would come in like a suit and tie so he wouldn't ask us but because he was quick to say let me see what you look like take your shirt off let me see <laughs> take your pants off because in his mind, I'm paying you to stay in shape. How yeah. hard is that? I'm paying you to look good, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously sometimes, you know, guys would fall horribly out of shape. And, yeah, that was just way of checking. So that was a beautiful. So, and wow. I was trying to correct that. We'd come like suit and tie. He goes, I don't care. Take that damn thing off. <laughs> and so, but that was, just, <laughs> that was just beautiful about him. But that's how much he cared about the sport. Like, if you think about it business-wise, there's a multitude of that. He wanted us to look good, to represent the sport. He wanted, when we walked out, that mm-hmm. when people identify that we are an athlete, that it should good light on us. And at the end of the day, dude, I'm paying you good money. All you got to do is train and eat good. Yeah. And that's pretty cool, right? Because yeah. I think How simple a, is that? a lot of people get lost in, in the business. And like he obviously was very much about business, but he really did have a passion for the oh, sport, right? Beyond. He wanted beyond. you guys to be real ambassadors for the sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And obviously and he was that benefits a huge him. fan of the sport. Yeah. Not only that, if you took your clothes off and you look great, chances are you're getting a pay raise right on a spot. You wow. know, he just he just loved the sport that much. It's just there is no one, and I think it's agreed upon, there's no one who would truly and will ever truly love the sport like he did. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. They are an athlete-focused meat company. Uh, always, never, ever, no hormones, no antibiotics. They source from ranchers who are for the animals to free-range graze in low-stress environments on nutrient-rich regenerative grass. Montana is known for having very productive farmland, and the nutrient-rich grass consumed by the animals is passed on to us. They cater to athletes who require the best quality products to put in their bodies. Nutrition is the base of our existence. The better the quality of the inputs, the less stressed out our bodies will be, and the more efficient they will run. Quality, convenience, small batch, that's Stay Classy Meats. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. You know, there might be big time people out there, but yeah, you love the sport to the point where you're a fan and also to the point where you give multi, multi millions. How much do you really love it? Mm-hmm. I don't think of any sport that I love that much <laughs> that yeah. I would put that much money into. So, but yeah, man, I mean, the guy was just incredible. Did he compete? Weir? Joe, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You That's know, I, I know there's a couple of magazines of him doing some old poses, but yeah, I don't, I don't, 
I don't think there was like really competitions before him and his brother came along. Um, so no, I, I'm pretty sure he probably didn't compete. It was just like the typical strong man with the little leaf over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little leaf. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Inside joke. You guys don't know what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, it was just like the strong man who would do like the one pose yeah, and yeah. that stuff. So yeah, I don't think it was real competition back then. What is what was the um, like highest moment of your career? Wow. That's an interesting. I don't think I ever, I've never been asked that way. Uh, Some moment in your career where you're like, fuck, I did it. Like after everything I had to go through, right. I fucking, I did it. What was Probably. your moment? Yeah. Huh? What was your moment? My moment? Um, the 29, uh, 2019 animal cage. After the like all of my injuries and stuff. No, the back the squat. The squat. Oh, yeah, for me, it's like the... The harder the climb, the more beautiful the yeah, view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the meets that I've done where everything went according to plan and I hit a bunch of world records and PRs. Like I'm like, supposed to. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I don't even remember. I remember the times when I had awful trainings, training cycles, that I was unmotivated, that I was hurt, that I had way too much work to do, way too much stress issues in my life. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to still like put everything together on the platform and like mm -hmm. exceed my expectations. Those are the moments that I'm right. like, fuck. Mine was probably, uh, probably 90, uh, 98. Um, you know, 97 was a bad year for me. Um, and just nothing was going right personally and everything else. And my team that normally goes with me, they weren't able to go. Uh, and I was just me and, and Robin Chain, my best friend in the world, my manager and, and all that, you know, back then. Um, and I remember I had lost the show before, the week before. So I lost to my training partner, Chris Cormier. And I'm thinking like, he finally beat me and we got to compete next week. So the judges, it was no internet then, but the judges know about it. Mm -hmm. How am I going to take that out of there? Immediately when we walk on stage, you're going to be looking at Chris like, why is he better? Yeah. And he is better because he beat you because Chris had never beat me before. I'm like, it's impossible to win this show. They already probably have it predetermined in their mind that Chris is going to win this show. Um, and I had these, you know, my legs were like extremely big. My legs were like 32 inches. And my waist was barely like a 29 when I was out of shape and dropped to like a 27 when I was in shape. 27. But so it, it was difficult to walk and I had to kick my legs out to walk. But I had really, yeah, look now, I had massive inner quads also. So they would rub together and I would get these big sores just from them rubbing together and everything. It sounds gross. It is. Yeah, that happens to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah. what I mean there, right? Yeah. And, and it's like most of the time it's like ingrown hairs, you know, that just, just, just don't... Oh, <laughs> and they were like, they were like talking to each other. They were so big. And <laughs> I used to like use baby powder to keep the fricks and nothing work. And, and they were so bad. Um, I was doing my cardio because I was like, how do I, how do I even get in better shape in one week, yeah. you know, to come back and beat Chris? Because I was off at the uh, Ironman. And um, so I'm having to do two hours of cardio a day and on zero carbs uh, the whole week. Two hours of cardio. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Straight. Uh, no, an hour in the morning. An, an hour. hour no, night. actually, I'm sorry, three hours. An hour in the morning, hour an hour night. after I finished training, my first training session, and then an hour after I did my last training session. So it just, you know. No carbs. Hmm? No carbs. No, zero. 
How for many how calories? Long, how long a period of time? A week. Oh, a week. I used to go months on zero carbs. Yeah. Wow. I used to go up to over a month. Yeah. Uh, and just filet mignon, 88 ounces, uh, six times, seven times a day, uh, filet mignon. Um, that's it? Yeah. That's did it. you look, did you look like flatter in that period and then you'd no, take more carbs no. closer to the No, meat? no. I was just, I was just a little different. I was, I'll show you. I'll, Why no carbs? Because for me, it helped accelerate me getting in shape. And I, I had messed up and, um, you know, Chris was, uh, he was coming after me, you know, he already had beat me in one show and it's, I just felt it was going to be impossible. So, uh, for me to win the next show. So anyway, um, so I'm doing three hours of cardio and I'm just miserable. Um, so when I do cardio, the first thing in the morning, I would just leave the lights out because I had a treadmill in my, my bedroom and I'd be just crying and in the having dark? mental, huh? yeah, just mental battles. I kind of, you going to beat him? How are you going to change it? You lost, you fucked up, dude. You know what? Just beat myself up, you know? Meanwhile, were you these, single at that time? Hmm? Were you single at that time? No, no, I wasn't single at that time. Um, they would yeah. just be sleeping out of the room. Oh, okay. My, uh, my ex-wife. I was like, children, bro, yeah. if you if you started running on a treadmill right next to me, I will divorce you. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, maybe other things keep you there. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, let me shut up. Stop it. Um, uh, so, um, and, and, and 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 my my they were so bad, and I was more crying just because of the pain, and I was trying to walk wider, legged it, and. It was horrible. So got to the show and I end up winning, uh, and I just lost it on stage. I just started sobbing. Um, Chris Cormier, you know my training partner, he was the first one to give me a hug, and I just, wow. you know, it's all over YouTube where he picks me up, and I'm just freaking sobbing because all of the emotions of everything, yeah, you know, came pouring out. So yeah, that would probably be that moment because it's like, you you. What show is that? Some of us we over challenge ourselves, and especially when dark moments come, like you know. If we lose or there's a setback in our training, you know, that'd take us for a tailspin. And um, I really feel that's that's where champions are defined. It's not when you're winning, you know, like you said, when you who cares? You know, when you're winning, everybody's nice to you. You know, if you whatever you're into, it's it's all good. You know, it's not a problem. It's it's when you're losing you by yourself. I think it's defined who you are as a person. If you can come back and like. Hey, good fight that one, man. I'll see you next week, you mm-hmm. know, because, uh, you know, I'm not going to be the same. And look the guy in the eye and let him know that, yeah, what just happened happened. That's, that was last time. You know, let's see what happens next time. Um, so that's just kind of the, the way I was wired, yeah. What about the lowest point in your career? Lowest point? Probably when I had to walk away from the sport just because due to my uh, kidney uh, uh, disease that I found out, I was just... Yeah, I was just crushing because I was just in my prime. I knew I was just uh, starting to hit my streak, you know, with everything. So that that just and it just it's not only changed, you know, because I had to walk away from the sport, but it just changed the trajectory of my entire life, my income and and all that. It was just a huge slippery slope of uh, crap after that. So how would you how would you deal with that? So that's the picture. I've been on zero carbs for three weeks already. That's insane. And I didn't even walk on stage Dude. in that detail. So, yeah, I just, you know, I just get, I could handle um, um, that low of cards for a long period of time. So I didn't get hypoglycemic like most people would have. Wow. You're about to ask me a question. Uh, I was how do asking. I, oh, how yeah. do you deal with the How did you deal point? with that? So, like, how, first, how did you find out about the diagnosis? 
Um, Because I couldn't get in shape anymore, and I was losing shows. Um, I I couldn't get uh, rock hard like I I normally could, and uh, and I started getting uh, edema right after my show. I would uh, I would gain like anywhere from twenty to thirty pounds overnight. So I'd wake up and my skin is all cracked in my legs because my my flesh had had to stretch on. I just knew that wasn't right, and that happened like a couple more years, and uh, so and. Uh, 99 I went and I went to a doctor uh, just to see what's wrong and they were like you know we have we have an idea uh, but we want to do a a, um, a lymph node biopsy and I was like that sounds painful no I go what else can you do he goes well we can do a kidney biopsy no they went to do a kidney biopsy and I said no hell no you know and they goes well we can do a lymph node biopsy and I don't know in my ignorance right Mm-hmm. That just seemed less than in, in, intruding. And it's, you know, so they went in my lymph node here and it ended up being a worse thing. It turned to a staph infection and then a, mm-hmm. a MARSA, whatever, however you pronounce a staph infection. And I remember going back into the hospital just screaming because I was in so much pain. And um, they rushed me in and everything. It was just supposed to be an outpatient. And I remember waking up and looking at the clock and it was like 20 hours later. Oof. And I'm screaming. You know, I'm fighting the nurses because I don't understand. Yeah. I, it's supposed to be an outpatient, you know. And a doctor, you know, they, after a while, they just call a doctor in. He comes in. He just cuts, he cuts this shit out, you know. Uh, I'm like, the fuck I'm still doing here. And he goes, you fucking almost died. That's why. And he's like, wow. you know, I'm like, I'm silent. You got my attention. You know, what, what just happened? Um and uh, that's when he said, you know, you, you had a very, very bad staph infection. It was a Mesa, Marsa staph infection. And he goes, literally, we had to dig from here all the way around up to your buttocks. That's how much the infection had grown. He goes, you know, so that's why you're in so much pain. So I was just screaming for more medication. He goes, listen, we got you on 16 grams of morphine right now. And I'm like screaming. It doesn't work. And he goes, if I give you an ounce more, you're dead. You know, your heart's going to stop. So... But, um, yeah, so I said, well, did you find out what you want to find out? And he goes, no, we're, we're still not sure. This is so rare. Would you let us do that kidney biopsy now? I'm like, yeah, go for it. Because I wanted to know what the hell was of going course. on. So it took like another three months, and they finally called me in. And, you know, they're like, you know, um, you, know you, you have a kidney disease. And I'm like, yeah, sure, great. You know, how could I believe that? You know, because I, I feel like Superman, like C.T. Fletcher said, every step I took, I felt like the concrete just shook, you know, <laughs> beneath me, you know, looking like that, you know. Um, and he goes, you know, you, you have a kidney disease. And he told me the name of it. I'm like, how? And he goes, we don't know. And I go, my first question was, did I do this? You know, is it is it because of what I take, my lifestyle, or what I have uh-huh. to take to look like this? And he goes, 100% no. And I go, how could you be so sure? You know, 100%? He said, well, because there's kids that have the same disease, so we know it's not for that. I'm like, okay. Um, he goes, why, why would you even ask that? I go, because if I brought this on myself, ain't no freaking crying. You did, know, you, freaking. did you have a lot of critics that yeah. said it was because, because yeah, of it, exactly, the lifestyle? Exactly, because it was my kidney and everything. So mm-hmm. that made me really, really angry. Um, and my response to that was, I wish that I did this to myself. Because if I did, I wouldn't have to worry about my son and my daughter. And so, right. so, 
Yeah. Oh, wow. So it would be better if I did that. The buck stopped with me, but now I got to worry about my family, my entire family. Like tree, you have a concern that this. it could be hereditary? Yeah, yeah, but they just don't they know. They just don't know. It's the rarest and uh, it's the most deadly and uh, aggressive and rarest kidney disease known to man, and there's no cure to it, and they still don't have a, an idea of what's going on. You know, wow. so anyway, so they put me on medication, and that almost killed me. Um, and I came back, and he's like, there's nothing else we can do. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, like I told you, you know, you you won't make it out of your 30s without having kidney failure. And you won't make it, you know, to your mid-40s without having a kidney transplant. Or you, you, you know, you're going to die. And I'm like, how do you know these hard numbers? He goes, because we have cases that we can, you know, we can go after and everything. I go, well, you know, what now? And he goes, well, we'll just put you on um, um, blood pressure medication, you know, uh, because as he explained it, with all the vessels going through your veins, they're like tiny shots every day when you have high blood pressure, which I had extremely high blood pressure. So, you know, the only thing we can do is control it. So ended up having a kidney transplant in 2003. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And how have things been since? Um, <coughs> um, yeah. So that was interesting, too. Uh, I was in a hospital for over a year, uh, just complications after complications. Uh, wow. I had 10 surgeries in 11 weeks that I almost died from. And, you know, I had all these massive uh, um, intrusive um, uh, IVs in me and everything uh, because I was so massive and I was used to eating 9,000 calories a day. Being that they have to run all these tests, you know, you can't eat food. So my body's literally eating itself and I'm being poisoned by not being able to intake food. So that was their way of trying to control it. But, um, yeah, I'm fine now. You know, I still have the disease. It doesn't go away. So it's not like you get a heart transplant and your bad heart is gone. Right. Then somehow the kidneys are just a victim of a crime that's going on, you know, and they, they just... You know, they, they don't know yet, and it's not, you know, big enough on a tree where they invest money to find out, so. Well. Yeah. How, has, how has that changed your perspective on life, if in any way? Um, I remember, um, like, three years after my transplant, um, you know, I had to go to the doctor, like, every three months, you know, go to the doctor, and he would, he would just... Uh, categorize, ask me the same questions in the same way every time. And I just start picking up on it. I'm like, why do you keep asking me that? He goes, never mind. No, no, no. I go, why do you keep asking me that question? He's like, well, you know, we just need to know if you're, if the disease is killing your new kidney. And I'm like, wait a minute. What do you mean by that? I thought, I thought it's gone. He goes, no, it's, it's not gone. You know, he goes, you know, flex uh, the average lifespan for a kidney and a donor is uh you know seven years so i'm like fuck i already have three what are you saying i got seven years left and i got to go through this again and uh he's like no 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 don't don't get all worried about it you know when that time comes you know you you have a new kidney transplant i'm like but you don't understand you know i, I get it you know my my kidneys the reason why I'm here and, and saved my life but i almost died nine times I go, it's like ask a woman, you know, who had a baby and she almost died giving birth. Think she's going to opt out and want to have another one? Hell no. She's like, no. So, you know, is nothing I'm looking forward to. So that was probably the worst time for me because I just went home and I just sobbed. I was like, Jesus, you know, and just something just came over me. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and wait for this. You know, if it's going to come and get me, 
you know, is going to knock on a door like a joke, you know, like the Grim Reaper knocking mm-hmm. the door and they're going to answer. He's not here right now, man. Have a seat. You know, he's out living life, mm-hmm. you know, and just living and having the best of it. So, you know, sit and wait for him because he ain't coming back. So I just made that that uh, decision in my mind, like, no, I'm going to go out and live my life like a normal freaking person and I'm going to enjoy myself. And whenever it comes, I'll deal with it then, you know, so. Yeah, that's yeah. the right way of looking and at it. It's almost been 18 years since the, the same fir- the first one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from the outside looking in, you're in the gym there every day killing it. Like your energy <laughs> level super Getting high. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're kicking our ass in there. That's easy. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> kicking my ass is the hard part. No, yeah. but I mean, you know, you come from a sport where, you know, a lot of people don't don't make it out unscathed. Yeah. You know, a lot yeah. of people have a lot of real serious health problems coming yeah, yeah, out of it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, like you appear to be doing really, really well. You got guys like Ronnie Coleman who can't walk. Yeah. 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 We talk all the time and, uh, obviously how's he doing? He's doing great. Ronnie's mentality is just different. You know, like uh, everybody keeps asking him, what's the one thing you regret in life? The, he did didn't he take a third rep on that, yeah. that 800 just, something squat. He's not BSing. That's just him. <laughs> we, isn't that amazing? Had, yeah, but that's his mentality. It's unbreakable. It's unshakable. That's what you look back at out, out of over all the great and bad things, really? And he's like, yeah. And he, he's not joking. I mean, we're super, super close, and we talk about that. And he's like, no, man, that's, that's the only thing. He goes, Flex, I don't regret a single thing I've ever done in life. I wouldn't change a thing. And for him to have went through everything that he's going through, so... After, you know, I uh, had my amputation, we talked and, you know, he was expressing, you know, his feelings and everything. And I was like, well, you know, Ronnie, you know, we both had a lot. He goes, nah, man. He goes, yours is different. I'm like, how could you say that? You had some horrible, you know, back surgeries. You know, one of his surgeries, he told me literally his back was so scarred of so many surgeries that they had to go in through the front and pull this intestine and everything out. Oh, just my to God. Get so imagine that. And I'm like, how could you say that with everything? He goes, yeah, Flex, but. I never lost nothing. He goes, yours is different. He goes, I don't, I don't think I'd be able to handle that one. I go, what, what did he mean by that? Yeah. He left it open, but you know, he's like, I don't, I don't think I'd be able to handle that one there. I never lost nothing, you know? So, wow. Uh, same thing with, you know, a good friend of mine, Mickey Rourke, you know, he had sent me a message and, you know, we've been knowing each other forever. And he's like, you know, I just, knowing your background in martial arts and then getting into a sport where you, you know, you look like a, a demigod, you know, to have that happen. He goes, I would check out, you know, and I'm like, how can you say that, man? But, you know, I, I just understand that everybody's challenges, everybody can't handle, you know, and, you know, I'm just trying to do the best I can in handling mine. So, but yeah, it, it's just great to have that type of support though anyway. Yeah, and you're inspiring a ton of people along the way. I know I gotta take I gotta stop taking people to the strip club and misinspiring them. I'm sorry, you know. It's just I know I'm kidding. That's not where we're going later. Uh, maybe. Later. Yeah, no, um, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Do you? Um, I I have always wondered because you've like like I told you before I grew up watching guys uh-huh. like you Ronnie Arnold on YouTube all the time that's the way I used to get hyped up for the gym so mm-hmm. seeing you in the gym was like I can't believe it's come full circle you know uh, but you are a guy who many many people have always said has had like the greatest physique in bodybuilding you have people like Ronnie Coleman who are like that's the best <laughs> that's the best uh, you know 
competitor yeah. I've ever competed against. You have guys like Arnold who have said in interviews that you, you know, best physique in bodybuilding, but to not win the Olympia, what is it? Like, is that a chip on your Spit shoulder? It out. No, go ahead. <laughs> is that is that a chip on your shoulder? Like, is that something that bums you out, or does the sort of like support? Uh, you know, an appreciation of all of the, you know, your peers and people around you. Is that like enough don't for you? Don't think about it at all. Not at all. No, e- any of that? No, it doesn't shake me at all. I don't. I don't look back and wish, you know, I would have done this or, or anything like that. I, I fully. You're not bummed at all. No, nah, no, nah, not a bit. I fully, fully understand that as wild as I was, and I don't mean in a bad way, I mean I wasn't a bad person or anything like that, but the type of person I was then, with that much more power of being number one, I I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I'd be, for whatever reason, I I wouldn't be breathing. So I know that unequivocally for a fact. So therefore, it doesn't bother me. It's like if you guys were to have a child and that child doesn't know any better and it wants to stick its finger in that uh, a wire in that socket, you guys are stopping him. To him, he's devastated, like crying and this, that, and the other, but he doesn't know that you saved his life. Right. I know that that saved my life, so doesn't shake my tree whatsoever, dog. It's all good. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I feel like it's kind of the same for you, right? Like you've always been widely considered the best or one of the best powerlifters of all time and then at the US Open which was like the the biggest meet there's been X, Y, or Z reason why you got that silver Mm. so how have you sort of dealt with that similar to him? She's like, no, shit, I'm still pissed. No. <laughs> it looks like you're trying to think of a better answer while you're, every time your eyes blink, it's like your brain is going back, nope, I'm still pissed. Think of something, nope, I'm still pissed. I was trying to think if I'm not pissed anymore, but yeah, I'm so pissed. Yeah? Yeah. Well, well but it was, read? I think it was a little bit of a different situation yeah. in that, okay, so at this competition, I always compete at 123 pounds. I cut down to 119. Uh, and I can see the roster of who's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And when I look at the roster, there was one person that was registered that was going to be my biggest competition registered as a 132. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing the math, and I'm like, okay, this is how much I you project that she can lift, right. say that she cuts down to 128, mm-hmm. 127, be a big cut for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, be a big cut for her. These, this is what I predict she'll hit, so I need to cut down to this much, and I need to hit these numbers. Like, there's a whole strategy involved. And then the day of weigh-ins, without her saying anything to anyone before weigh-ins, she cut down to my weight class. Ooh. She cut down to 123 on the dot. Does she want to go after you, you think? Yeah, for sure. Well, 100%. that was based on the... Because you would have shit then, right? Based on the coefficient, so when you input, like, your body weight, the way that you lifted, like, all these the with the coefficient formula... Um, the only way that she could have beat me is if she cut down to 123. Uh, okay. So, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I do have a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. Because I think that I could have strategized better. If you would have known that. So, do you think it changed you in any way in competition? Made you more bitter or stronger or? Did it change me in any way? 
I mean, I always use that as, as motivation for sure. So it is a trigger for you. Yeah, it, it definitely lights a fire up my ass of like, okay, cool. But you've always thrived that way. I've always thrived that way, yeah. You, so you th- you thrived off of... Doubt. Doubt what and is it failure. What does uh, Fraser says? Resentment is a uh, hot burning fuel. Yeah. Mm. So it's like, even it's kind of like you took the opposite end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Like the more zen route, and you have always been like, "Fuck everyone! Yeah. I'm gonna prove but them that wrong." Yeah. Hasn't always that hasn't. I'm, I, you know, I can't lie and say I'm all like, mm. no, <laughs> that, 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 "Yeah, bro, you were pissed off when it happened." No, because so, as far as the kidney transplant, oh, the no, Ronnie thing, yeah. the Ronnie thing. Um, no, I wasn't, because it it was it was like a, um, how could I put it, an aha moment. It was just like a bright light. It was like, like clarity as an athlete, you know, just true, pure clarity on what's really going on. Almost like the matrix. And when you took yeah. that pill and you're like, yeah. God dang it, this was. So as you, you guys probably seen, I took the medallion off. And what I realized is you can't make me feel less of a person than I think of myself. So as you hang these these second place trophy, uh, medallions around me, you trying to tell me I'm second best? I'm I'm like, fuck no, I'm not. I I I, I exceeded my my look. I exceeded my condition. I came in uh, 17 pounds heavier in one year in better condition. I go no, I won. I I won. I beat me. So that w- that was a like a relieving realization yeah, to you instead yeah. of a, one that made you angry. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. So it's it's interesting because Steffi's had that exact same action, right? Of like, I, fuck, like basically, I don't care about this medal. Yeah. And for the same reason, because yeah. you do believe you're the best, and you just don't, you know, for yeah. whatever reason, you're like it just wasn't represented that day. Yeah. You yeah. know, in a meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are the two yeah. two opposite approaches, though. No, it's it's no matter what, it's. Um, Fight or flight, you know, mm-hmm. everything we do, it's, it's, it's fight or flight. Either you're going to stand there and you handle it or, you know, that can transcend and, you know, you're not going to take this anymore or whatever, or it transcends to just, I'm not going to deal with it or uh, mostly I'm just not there for you or whatever. Um, but that's just life. Um, and I just, I'm not wired to flight. I'm just, I'm not wired. You know, I, I don't think I'll be okay uh, living here on this earth, knowing that I'm not, uh, I'm not still fighting. Um, it, now that doesn't mean the outcome means that I have to win, but you know, at least I, I can go back and, and still look in the mirror and say, Hey man, you know, talking to myself, you know, you're still a man. You're still a man. I don't care if my nose is pushed to the side or whatever. You're still a fucking man. You know, um, I'm not a, a PU blah, blah, blah. So you're not effing me, you know? Um, so that that's just something I that I it's just, it's just deep in my soul. I can't deal with nothing less than that, you know. And that always doesn't equate uh, equate to uh, success, but it is experience, no matter what. You know, the worst things in the world that happens to you, you know, um, it's an experience. It's how you view it and what you want to learn from it. Like you know, if this is if this is half filled, you know, you can look at it and you could be like. I only got half left. Jeez, that was so good. It's just half, right? Or you could be like, "Did you? I drank half, and I still got fucking half left." Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. The perspective, 
changed everything mm-hmm. uh, and made you either happy or, or, or sad. And that's just that's just our life. So, you know, even in the worst situation, if you can try to pull something from you, it actually helps pull you out mm-hmm. of that hole of that darkness that you're in. So, yeah. I'm going to switch gears entirely. Right, I have another on. question that I'm interested in. So um, I got to go softball? <laughs> Maybe. Uh yeah, so being from like the previous generation of bodybuilding and now like social media is, you know, kind of the end all be yeah, all of almost being like successful in any uh, you know, single person sport mm-hmm. instead of team sports. How have you seen it change bodybuilding? I've seen it I've not just our sport of bodybuilding, I've seen it just change people. Good gosh, but I'll I'll stay locked into where you you ask bodybuilding. I don't know if it really has changed bodybuilding. Um, has it made it more popular? Me? No, the sport. sport? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that way, definitely. Um, just the um, visibility. You don't have to have money to go and see the show, the Olympia. You know, mm-hmm. most people will never be able to, to go to that event, but they can pay, you know, whatever, forty nine ninety nine and watch it and see all the greats. That, that would have never happened before. Um, but... I've always been a believer that you're you're not gonna you're not gonna bother me. You're not gonna cause fear in me by visual sight and and whether we have to fight or whether it's you look great, you know, uh, in your freaking tank top in a gym and you're doing that because you know you're going up against me and you're trying to f with me because you know you, you look just phenomenal right now. That don't matter, man. It's not. It ain't stage time, you know. Um, Again, you know, if you, you know, send a video of you fighting and it just whooping ass or something like that, or if I, you know, well, I can't now, but if I YouTubed you and seen how great you were, that wasn't me, you know, that wasn't me. Not saying that's going to be any better or not, but that cat there, that's not me. So you need to show me that you can do that to me, mm-hmm. you know, so I just, so the internet thing now has made that where a lot of people do update photos or PRs or whatever, you know, kicking right. ass in a gym, but they don't bring that out to the stage. You know, how many times have you, have you done, broke your own freaking PR in a gym, but you just can't deliver it on that moment, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't matter. So what that has done with the internet is it allowed people um, to have kind of control over their outcome because they can use apps or whatnot or whatever. You know what I mean? Or even still like people's content of a workout. Like say someone watched you, you know, just undyingly and they called themselves a, a what do they call them? Master trainers that they were mm-hmm. in their back. No disrespect to master trainers. <laughs> um, but they became a master trainer watching your stuff. You know what I mean? That's so that's it's a double edged sword, like we said before with the internet. You know, it's truly helped us to be able to make money, you know, uh, and all that. But on the other side, you know, it makes some people feel unsuccessful because they don't have a big following or, you know, they didn't get, they're not caught up in the, the praise of when, you know, we post something and somebody's praised, you know, and all that. You know, what about, you know, the millions or billions that don't have that? So to them, the internet is very, you know, devastating and hurtful because they feel unworthy or not liked, and that's just not effing true, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it has its both sides. Yeah, absolutely. It's a two-headed monster for sure. I mean, we've certainly seen it in the sport of powerlifting. I think what I think the 
for me, the most positive thing that I've noticed that's come from it is that now you don't need to be on a magazine cover to get good sponsorships. You know, you don't need to be the best in the world to, you know, make a living in the sport. Um, it, now it's like it's sort and of you have it, control. You do. Those yeah. magazines, you don't have control if you're going to be put in them. Mm-hmm. What if you are the best and they just don't like you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Or what if you're the best and you just don't have the type of look they're looking for? Mm-hmm. You can control your destiny now. So it's in that way, it's great. You know, um, you can literally get paid money based on how many followers are, you know, how many people see your content. So it's opened up so many great revenue streams. Mm-hmm. But on a negative side, it's opened up so many great revenue streams. You know, it's it's for me, it's almost like a watching a degradation of, of, of women. You know, some of the things that they're willing to do to, to be on the Internet to make money. It's just, you know, that's sad, uh, you know, because, like I said, I truly believe I wouldn't have been able to handle the being Mr. Olympia. And unfortunately, some people are on the Internet or whatnot are doing something that they truly can't handle the full uh, gravity of what they're doing you know um, those things will never go away mm-hmm. and you know say they're older and married and have kids whatever imagine your child pulling this up on the internet and you having to sit there and explain to that person so it's a double-edged sword man you know um, but that's life it's again it's that half full what you did with it what you made of it what you put into it absolutely so, yeah so talking about life what are you up to these days Great. Wow. What a segue lead in. So I don't have to start my own shit, huh? No. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited. Um, I just released my nutrition line. I've been a, a partner and an owner in so many different uh, nutrition lines. And, and some of my close colleagues have always challenged me like, man, you need to you need to do this on your own. I'm like, no. And, you know, the truth is I was more comfortable being paid a lot of money than instead of going out there. And, you know, one of the arguments from one of my friends was like, if they pay you that amount, what do you think you're worth? Mm-hmm. You right. know, because obviously they got to make three to four times more on you just for them to pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, so my nutrition now uh, company was this Flex Wheeler Signature Series, and good God, it took like a year, but I finally had my own app uh, with Apple. Uh, and that's my training app, Flex Wheeler uh, DS. So it's uh, Flex Wheeler DS, and the DS stands for um, what does it stand for? De- development system. So <laughs> development system. Um, but that clothing line, I'm just, I'm just trying to be a master of many uh, and try to create as many uh, revenue streams as possible. And I think for all of us, what happened, you know, with this whole whatever you want to call it, uh, scamdemic, pandemic, damdemic, you know, <laughs> plandemic, uh, it's taught us that we're not safe. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, you're not safe. Um, so you have to start planning ahead and potential planning for a next potential chance like this this you know this happened you know a long time ago with the great depression so you know i think it's going to probably happen more frequently stuff like this because we live in a digital world again you don't have to reach out and send a bomb to ruin a country's lives you know Mm -hmm. so you know but uh yeah better be safe than sorry having multiple having revenue streams from different yeah different in different areas is always good yeah, that's awesome. Well, hey, after training with you today, I'm definitely uh, behind whatever training systems Thank you got you. going. Thank you, I appreciate it. So I, I, I like to get some stuff. input. Shameless plug on me, honestly. Uh, what did you guys think about uh, training with me and everything? What did you think it was like? Oh, I loved it. I, I always love when people 
keep it simple or stick to the fundamentals just the shit that works mm-hmm. i for me it's a massive red flag when someone has me like on a bosu ball like closing one <laughs> eye bands. you know <laughs> i don't know yeah when it looks too complicated i'm always yeah, like uh, this guy's just trying to impress so me yeah. they're, they're trying to impress me so i really appreciate when something is like just fucking work okay things that are proven to work that have worked for many many years um that get you out of breath they get you feeling good they get you bigger i was so pumped yeah try, after that session tr- tried and true i mean hey that, tried and that photo of, uh, that we took i got you got to send you the group oh photo. yeah please yeah but definitely i mean do we yeah. look huge we look good yeah we got a good pump do i look big i mean next to me i want to really. i want to <laughs> ask you what what drives you um when I when I when I'm training someone, I try to I try to connect with them so I can see where they're at. Energy are they hurting? Are they faking or whatever? So I'm always, you know, staring at their either their face or their just body or their energy that they're putting out. But you know, watching you train, um, it's it's like seem like there's a, quite a bit of a different similarities between us, yeah, uh, good and bad. But watching you train, it's like you have the the ability to go somewhere else. Um, you know, I, I've always said, you know, I, I have to go like into the, the bowels of hell, you know, where, where's a diamond, you know, creative in a hostile, mm-hmm. hellish environment, mm-hmm. what comes out of, but it really felt, it really felt like you had this ability to just flip a switch and just go deep into mm-hmm. hell and pull out, you know, just beauty and uh, the training or just the outcome or the yeah, yeah. sculpture yeah. that you create. You're a master yeah. sufferer. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I think that. What is that? I'm a, a master, master sufferer. sufferer. Oh. Like, yeah. And you know what? It's been it's been the times when I haven't been able to suffer because of injury or time or whatever that have made me appreciate the times when I can suffer because it's like, honestly, suffering is a privilege. It's a privilege and it's reserved for the people who are alive. And that's something that people don't realize. It's like they tend to tie um, negative emotions to suffering and positive emotions to happiness. Yeah when you choose whether how you want to interpret the situation right so i can either look at that set of 20 bicep curls when my arms were falling as oh shit like my my arms feel awful like i want to stop or i can be like fuck i get to do one more rep i get to do one more rep and flex wheeler gets to coach me like this is the this is the best moment of my life and Um. and that's kind of how i look at 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 training and how i've always looked at training now with boxing even more like i'm 29 years old and this will likely be the last sport that I pick up Mm -hmm. you know this will be the last one that I go all in and in the past you know I haven't been able to I I realized that I wasn't able to fully appreciate the bad moments that every sport that I did soccer and running take something negative to happen to to make you appreciate the yeah my my back injury and and kind of like forced semi-retirement from powerlifting so once I wasn't able to do that, but you know, and now I'm able to do to to box, I like I am so grateful for every single moment that I get. I have my coach Kareem who's traveling with us, and even when I fucking just don't want to do it anymore, I tell him I'm like, dude, thank you. you keep going, make uh, me suffer you sound more. Sound like uh, Stan Efforty when I when I first started training him. Obviously, he's a big brain. He doesn't look like it, but his intelligence is off. Oh, the he's so scale. smart. And yeah. uh, I knew it because I, I interviewed him. You know, I, I, I kind of interview people before I, I agree to train him because it's not, you can't pay me enough money to sit there and babysit you. You know, I'm just, I'm sure. not the guy. Go get somebody else. Yeah. So as I interviewed him, I understood how intelligent he was and, and his thinking. He was very forward about how he felt about training because he trained, 
you know, so many Olympic athletes and, and NFL and all this. And I'm like, crap. I'm like, damn it, man. You know, do I tell him that my philosophy is completely different than his and, and F with my money? Because, I mean, you know, he was paying for himself every day, twice a day, and a friend of his every day, twice a day. So that was some nice gorilla, you know. Uh, but anyway, I was like, God, I'm like, you know. I owe it to him, to be honest. So we were getting ready to train. I was like, man, I just kind of what I said about the 20s. And uh, he's just damn strong, naturally. And he just looked at me. He goes, Wheeler, you're the expert in this, not me. And he just shut his brain off and just did everything. And here he is, you know, about to puke. He's laying on the ground, literally beat red. And he goes, <laughs> I love this shit. <laughs> and I just looked at him like, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> You need help. <laughs> I mean, he'd literally be shaking about to pass out and just grin. He goes, yeah, it's the best. I love this shit. I'm like, you're really, really sick. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 I get that. You, you seem very similar to that. Is, that. is that what drove you to become, you know, a multiple, multiple what, 25-time oh, world champion? Yeah. Is that what what drives you? Is it the records? Is it is it achieving it? Is it the journey? What what drives you? The journey, a hundred percent, the journey. I could not care less. When people ask me specifics about competitions or about records, even about specifics about the numbers that I've hit. You oh, what's your best total? What's your best this? I'm like, I honestly don't know, and it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's just that kind of that daily grind and and dedication to one thing, to your craft that you can you know, feel fulfillment and happiness on, you know, some days, some days sadness, whatever. You feel emotions for it uh, and you're just committed and the people that you meet along the way and the people that you inspire along the way, that's a, a huge one for me. That was a huge one. When I realized that I was a role model for people, even if I'm touching the lives of 10 people, mm-hmm. it's still impactful. You know, I think that, and this is something that I've talked to Hayden about. I don't believe in like a purpose you know, in the spiritual sense. Oh, my purpose in life is no, Mm. but I chose my mission. What's important to me is servicing and helping others. Like that's what I live for. Mm. So even if I'm able to, to positively impact the life of 10, five people, I don't care. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good reason enough for me to keep doing it. It's irreparable. You know, it's like, you know, the, the men and women all over the world who protect their, their country. It's, it's just, it's an unrepayable sacrifice, you know, and uh, I think uh, just trying to affect someone in a, a, a not uh, positive way because I, I'm, I'm guilty and very aware that I have affected people in negative ways. I mean, I was 100% the instrument of that, whether I came into, you know, your country and I wanted to like, where's the party at? And so people want to be with Flex Wheeler. So they're going to go and party. And so I know I was an instrument and, and, you know, not positive things. So, you know, now, you know, trying to be an instrument in positive things, it's just, it's it's so rewarding, you know, money can't buy it, you know, uh, the cars, you know, whatever you into, uh, you know, uh, it can't buy that type of feeling just to touch somebody else's life. So it's great that you've been put in that opportunity to be able to do so to, you know, to have a strong woman, even a strong woman of your statue, being able to achieve these things instead of some tall six foot, you know, uh, Amazon woman or whatever. (laughs) It just, you know, it, it it almost lets any woman believe I can, maybe I can, I can do that or maybe I can just do something more than what I thought I could. You mm-hmm. know? No, so. absolutely. Absolutely. Did we burn yeah. the whole tape out yet? 
probably. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, two more minutes, you're good. Yeah. Flex Wheeler Systems DS. Yeah. Yes, yes. Flex Wheeler. So it's uh, flexwheelerds.com. Flexwheelerds.com. Yeah, yeah. Flex Development System, my supplement company, Flex Wheeler Signature Series, okay. and just my line of clothes that I'm working on now. And this is one of my designs. And this um, one, my logo. I love this one. Yeah, yes, I was rocking that one earlier. So buy my stuff. I need a new uh, car. I see a nice ma- ma- Maserati out there and I was just looking at one. So I'm not going to tell you guys like, you know, please help me support me. No, I- I'm living great. I just want to live better. No, I'm just kidding. No, nah, man. Well, we appreciate it. Honestly, it's tra- been an honor. training with you is like jumping into one of those videos I used to watch in high school. So appreciate all your time. Appreciate your insight and knowledge. And, uh, I know, our listeners are going to get a ton from no, this. No, so. I appreciate you guys, um, just um, how cordial you were when you walked up to me in a gym, and then you also just, you know, how I just I feed off of great positive energy, and even though there is a lot of great people in our sport, there's a lot of not. So just to run into somebody else and feel, you know, positive energy, and then to meet with you guys today and have that reinforced by just uh, the chemistry between all of us, Man, those those are moments you live for. It's like, you know, those moments, like you said, wow, I get to do this. So Mm -hmm. as you guys are training, and I've always believed if someone is helping you, you owe them everything when they're helping you. That's the only way you can repay them. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just watch you guys just go deep and pull out, you know, just different levels of energy. It's like... It was just beautiful, man. You know, it was just beautiful. So the honor is mutually mine also. I appreciate it, you know, greatly. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening.